Hello and welcome to the Garrett Ashley Mullet Show. I'm your host, Garrett Ashley Mullet, and today we're going to talk about expectations. Now, before I get into the topic uh, in a more formal sense, I'm going to tell you a story about uh, this week, um, not last night, but the night before, and uh, what would have been happening today but is now not happening. So a little bit of backstory. Last year, I was invited by uh, the elder and pastor of our church to go and attempt climbing Granite Peak. And uh, I've never climbed a mountain before, but I just assumed, well, hey, if they're asking me, that must be a reasonable thing for somebody to do and obviously people do it if they're if they can do it why can't i do it so i agreed i said oh yeah no that sounds like fun but honestly like the main thing i was thinking about was it would be really cool to just go and hang out and uh yeah you know so i agreed to go there was another one of the elders at our church who had agreed to go as well. So it was four of us and we set out out this time last year. And, uh, it was after the work day on a Thursday, uh, had all of our gear already packed and loaded up into the van. And we drove across the state of Montana about, Oh, I don't know, five, six hours, something like that parked uh maybe nine or ten o'clock in the evening and then proceeded to hike in the rain uh up to mystic lake which is i think about three miles from where we parked and uh so we're hiking in through the rain and it's just raining nonstop, and i didn't have anything on uh, for pants that would repel the rain, uh, for a jacket, I had something that was, uh, basically a rain jacket and it worked great, but my jeans ended up getting pretty well soaked. My shoes, my, my, uh, socks, they both ended up getting pretty well soaked. And what I didn't think about until we arrived at our destination and set up the tents was that my sleeping bag, the little flap that's supposed to go over the cover, was not, uh, it wasn't securely in place when the drawstring was pulled. And so my sleeping bag was actually uh, quite wet. And so we get there, oh, and, and just as we're closing in that last half mile or so, uh, hiking up to Mystic Lake, the rain turned to snow. And so it was, it was fairly chilly. Uh, you know, it was upper thirties when we started out. And then by the time we got where we were going, uh, the temperature had dropped sufficient to where there were some pretty massive, uh, snowflakes and they were falling pretty steady. Now by the following, uh, evening, so it would have been a Friday evening. Uh, I think there were the better part of, six inches, uh, that had fallen. But 
once we got our tent set up and I, you know, I was just beat, just exhausted, uh, you know, couldn't get comfortable. Didn't, you know, I'm sleeping in a, in a sleeping bag where the, it was the bottom half of it where your feet go. Well, that's the part where my jeans are already damp. My socks are damp. Plus it's 30 degrees. Uh, I did not sleep. I, I was, I just shivered and I was so cold that night and did, so I didn't, didn't sleep at all, uh, in any kind of a comfortable, restful fashion. Well, then the next morning, you know, we get up, make a fire that helped, uh, you know, warmed up a little bit, had some breakfast that helped, got all packed up and started up the mountain and uh there are these switchbacks so it's just back and forth and back and forth and back and forth you know climbing up and you're making some pretty good elevation and uh you know i i've never done anything quite like that before but i was just not in any good condition to to be doing it you know, I'm, I'm exhausted. I'm tired. I'd been, I think I'd had either bronchitis or pneumonia, if I remember right, uh, you know, two, three weeks before. Still had a little bit of a cough hanging on, but still felt a little bit weak from from that. That had interrupted my physical conditioning. I'd been, I had been running, and I was working out, getting ready to go climb Granite Peak. But that totally threw off my exercise routine. And so then I'm just feeling completely unprepared. And then as your body, you know, as, it, as the elevation gains and your uh, oxygen, uh, it, you know, the composition's a bit different. I don't know how, how quickly and how uh, much that changes as you gain an elevation. Um, but certainly seemed to have some kind of some some effect uh it was, the, the mountains were foggy and every time i would look up you couldn't see the top of the mountain to tell how close you were getting or that you were making any progress whatsoever because the fog just obstructed you know so it's just an, a never-ending eternal climb is what it's <laughs> what it seemed like and uh so so we're we're hiking up these switchbacks. I've got a pack that was entirely too heavy, and it wasn't adjusted properly. The straps weren't adjusted properly. There's lots of ways you can, and I, it was an A-frame pack. It wasn't really, uh, you know, it it would be a good pack for uh, packing out an elk. You know, if we get an elk here uh, in late October, when I go hunting with some some other friends of mine. But maybe not ideally suited. The other three guys, they all had more traditional backpacks. Theirs all seemed a lot more comfortable. Uh, at least they seemed a lot more comfortable with them. And I think they had them adjusted properly. Uh, there's definitely a science to that. Um, a science which I did not know, it should be noted. Um, <laughs> so anyway, we're going up this mountain. And, you know, your body is just screaming at a certain point. Oh, stop, stop. What are you doing? What are you doing? 
you're not up for this is what your mind is telling you. And we hit a, a certain point where it's like, you know, I'm really cold. Uh, I'm tired. Uh, I'm just having to throw one leg in front of the other. Um, I'm not in as good a physical shape as at least uh, two of the guys. Our, you know, our pastor, he runs uh, marathons, hunts. He's climbed mountains for decades and just stayed in physical shape. Um, kind of a shorter guy, uh, not a whole lot of weight to him. And plus he's learned the science of, uh, packing your, your gear. So he knows where it needs to be distributed. He knows what to take, what he doesn't need to take. And I think he was, he was just generally a lot lighter and a lot more, uh, in shape than I was. Uh, and then, you know, we've got one of the elders, the one that had, had uh, officially invited me to come along. Uh, he does construction for a living. So he's in good shape, you know. Um, it's a different kind of work climbing a mountain than doing construction, but he's used to day in, day out, long uh, hours of physical labor. That's his bread and butter. Uh, myself, meanwhile, you know, my days consist of a lot of driving from location to location. Once I get to location, uh, sometimes there's physical work. You know, you got to carry stuff up, uh, catwalks, you know, but it's, it's a lot of sitting at a computer, uh, checking your software, checking your configuration, emailing people, calling people. Um, it's a, it's a lot more sitting. And even when I'm up and about doing things, it's, it's, uh, I'm working with electronic devices, not a lot of heavy lifting. Um, except through, you know, between my ears. So my, my brain's got to be thinking through how does this equipment need to work? Why isn't it working? Or how do we get it working? Or, you know, that kind of stuff. But as we're climbing up these, these switchbacks, hiking up, um, uh, you know, I'm afraid of heights. That's another additional challenge that I hadn't really considered when I agreed to climb a mountain. So it was like, Oh yeah, I'm, I have a problem with heights. What, what am I going to do about that? Uh, <laughs> You know, some of these switchbacks, pretty steep. And then you get six inches of snow. Uh, you know, it's a little, it was, it was a little bit difficult to tell where the walking path ended and where it just dropped off. And you're looking down and it's not a, it's not a sheer cliff, but it's a steep enough thing. And there's nothing to grab hold of for, uh, you know, I don't know, 100 feet. Uh, something like that to where if you fell and uh, you know, didn't immediately catch yourself, you'd be rolling and falling and, and going down the, the mountain at a, at a pretty quick clip getting pretty banged up. I'm sure. Um, so I just envisioned myself as I am throwing one foot in front of the other, I'm not feeling stable on my feet. Uh, didn't sleep well the night before. Wasn't in peak physical condition to do this. Uh, even not counting uh, the six inches of snow and the pack that wasn't adjusted properly and uh, getting wet, not drying out, not warming up, not getting a good night's sleep. All of it was just a perfect storm of um, reasons why, in my mind, 
it'd be good for me to turn back right now. And then another guy that, you know, we're, we're hiking with, uh, his lips are blue and he's not looking too hot and he's looking pretty tired because he didn't exercise or get in shape for this either. And so the two of us were kind of looking at each other and looking at the, the two guys that are in better shape and just saying like, Hey, like maybe it's time we, we called this off. I really pushed for us to call it off. I didn't want to be the guy that, uh, was the, you know, I don't know the Debbie downer or the Mr. Negativity or whatever. But I also, even more than that, didn't want to be the guy that died uh, falling down the, the mountain or died of hypothermia once we got up to <laughs> where we were going and couldn't start a fire. Uh, and I didn't want, you know, this other guy, uh, Brady is his name. I didn't want him getting hurt and then us not being able to uh, extract him. Cause that's what I was thinking too, is, you know, if one of us got hurt and it wasn't serious necessarily, uh, you know, it could be an issue where, uh, helicopters have a hard time getting in there. Rescue crew has a hard time getting in there due to the snow and, uh, well, the snow wouldn't affect the helicopter, but the fog, uh, so people on foot might have an issue due to the snow. Somebody flying in might have an issue due to the fog. And, uh, so it's like, man, it's just, just, it just doesn't smell right. Doesn't, I'm not an expert in this, but if this is going to be your first experience climbing mountains, like that's part of the problem. Uh, I'm not, I'm not uh, sure exactly how to do this safely. And I don't feel safe right now. Um, not that climbing mountains is necessarily a quote unquote safe thing, but there are so many variables that were, um, not ideal. Uh, having all those things in, combination with one another it's like mm, no at a certain point we just just call it uh, and so we did and i told myself as my consolation prize because i felt bad it's like you know i, I pushed for hey let's turn back because something's going to happen to me or something's going to happen to this other guy here buck and butch they both are in good physical shape and they seemed like they i think you know, all things being equal, they would have kept on uh, going. Um, but, you know, I, I consoled myself on the way down the mountain by saying, you know, next year, if we do this again, I'd love to come, you know, for the part of it that we're driving across the state together, getting conversation uh, for the part of it where we make camp at Mystic Lake. That sounds like fun. Uh, I enjoyed that. Light a fire, beautiful, beautiful scenery up there. Uh, and then I, I would like to just bring a hammock, right? I don't need to climb this mountain. I that was, and that was the other thing too. It's like, you know, I think for people that have always dreamed of climbing a mountain, that's one of their big bucket list items, or they would just, that just really motivates them. Uh, all of the other factors that I just mentioned pale in comparison. And uh, it's worth it. And that, that's the thing that they keep in mind that keeps them throwing one foot in front of the other, taking the risk, uh, enduring the, the discomfort and the pain. Uh, meanwhile, I found myself uh, realizing I have no inherent uh, desire to climb mountains. Uh, you know, I don't know if I ever will. Maybe at some point when my life circumstances are different. But 
right now, like I could actually enjoy mountains just fine from uh, closer to the valley of the mountain. And, uh, you know, I'll enjoy a nice hammock, sit by the lake, bring a book, bring something to write in, just pray and contemplate life. And so that was my plan. And fast forward to today for uh, purposes of this podcast. Uh, you know, this is a Thursday like the Thursday last year where after work, we were going to pack up all of our stuff, throw it in the van, drive across the state. And this time around, I said, well, you know what? I think you guys are on your own for attempting Granite Peak, whatever the weather does. But I would enjoy going with you as far as uh, Mystic Lake. And I'll just, I'll, I'll make camp at Mystic Lake, hang out there. Uh, you guys, uh, you know, let me know uh, if you need my help. I can come up the mountain, try and help, uh, maybe leave all my stuff there <laughs> down at the base. Uh, I'm sure just on foot without a whole bunch of pack and everything. I could, I could probably get up there a lot quicker. But, uh, yeah, we were going to go this evening. And then two nights ago, I woke up about midnight in a cold sweat. And I wasn't entirely sure why. I think I had a lot of things on my mind. Before I went to sleep, I'd been sleeping for an hour and a half. And all of a sudden, I wake up and all of these things are rushing to my mind. But none, no one of them is enough to where I'm thinking, that's what, that's what's bothering me. That's why I woke up. But on top of everything else, I'm thinking about this trip to Mystic Lake. And I'm thinking, you know, I don't really feel like this is a good year to do this, even the Mystic Lake part of it. And there's a lot going on with work. You know, we're trying, yeah, I mentioned in the last episode, we're trying to get some additional people hired, but right now we're spread pretty thin. We have uh, deadlines to meet as far as uh, getting equipment installed, and systems configured, and just a lot of things in motion right now. I just got promoted as of the 12th of August. Uh, it hasn't even been uh, a full month since I was promoted. And, uh, you know, wh however it looks to anybody else, I wouldn't quite feel right taking a day off and being uh, out of cell service, incommunicado for the weekend. I just don't feel like that would be, that would be right. Uh, it, it, would, it would bother me and I'm not going to really enjoy it. And besides all that, I've been so busy, I haven't even had time to check my pack and make sure I've got everything that I need. And the idea of trying to even just check my pack right now is kind of stressing me out. And I should have gotten in shape. I should have exercised and, and worked out, even for the hike up to Mystic Lake, perhaps. And uh, so I, I got out of bed at a certain point. I, I usually will give it about you know 15 minutes, half an hour from when I wake up and I'm being restless to when I finally just climb out of bed. But I got out of bed, came downstairs. I thought, you know, I'm just going to check 
Facebook. See if I can find something to distract me or something. I don't know, something else to think about. Uh, browse through Facebook. Looked at the profiles of a couple people that I like that uh, I don't ever have the guts to say, man, I just really appreciate you. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. I think they would they would find that weird. Uh, but, I, you know, I clicked on their profiles and, you know, checked out what they had posted most recently, how they're doing, a little bit of Facebook Facebook stalking, <laughs> uh, you know, and then, but that really wasn't doing it. You know, it was kind of a, a momentary distraction, but, uh, you know, still was thinking about all this stuff in real life. And so I, I thought, well, maybe I'll just look at LinkedIn. You know, maybe that'll be uh, encouraging or something. I don't know. So I click over to LinkedIn and I'm kind of browsing through and, and I see all these posts from people that, I work with or have worked with and you know, it's funny the thing about LinkedIn is it's so much about trying to portray an image for for most people you know that's what the platform is you try to portray an image of yourself as this professional who uh, is competent or charming or intelligent or skilled or savvy or uh, whatever, you know, fill in the blank, whatever it is that a uh, potential employer or, uh, you know, collaborators in the broader market, whatever it is that they're going to be looking for uh, to figure out, you know, who are the people I could partner with in an economic uh, transaction or a business enterprise who would make us really profitable, make us really successful. And, and so, you know, LinkedIn is full of people that, you know, that's, that's how they're trying to portray themselves. Facebook, I don't know if it knows what it is anymore. Um, yeah, I just saw a, a headline here on the Drudge Report saying that nearly half of millennials have deleted the Facebook app. And... I think a lot of people, uh, they've just used Facebook for whatever. And then as Facebook has decided to clarify its uh, goals uh, or uh, there, where there have been questions about whether people are really free to express themselves honestly, and uh, if they have their own opinions, their own beliefs, their own convictions, their own positions, <clears throat> Uh, whether they're free to share those uh, without being censored, you know, as that has as that has been the case uh, in recent years, especially increasingly, uh, I think younger people who are looking for a, a way to express themselves um, just turned off. They say, well, that's, that's not, if there's any, even any question and any stress about uh, whether I'm going to be free to be myself on there, I'm just going to not. Uh, and then that's, you know, and it, it's not always even Facebook. Like the, the, the company, the corporate, the moderators, the censors, the, you know, memory hole uh, <laughs> deciders. Who, you know, they, they might look at a post that you put up there and say, well, that's not worth anybody else seeing. 
where you're just going to limit your reach and shadow ban you or whatever. Um, you know, it's not even it, it's not even about that. Just it's also about the way that people on Facebook, individuals relate to one another. Um, you know, and a classic example is I had a, a friend from high school who became a school teacher, and uh, he posted some article or some video about uh, discipline for children, positive discipline versus negative discipline, or, you know, some something against spanking or against negative consequences and damaging people's psyche and different stuff like that. This has been a, you know, a number of years back, but I commented on it and I said, you know, what, what is the basis of this? I mean, it's just, no, like, okay, have positive reinforcement, have things that you can, uh, do to, to motivate a child. But there are certain things that, you know, like, Hey, if my kid's playing in the street and I've told him before, don't do that. He does it again. Uh, you know, there may not be a third chance for that. If he gets flattened because it's a busy street and people aren't paying attention, they're coming around that corner and they don't have time to slow down before they might hit him. Um, I'm sorry. I don't see a positive way to discipline him. Uh, that boy needs a spanking so that it sticks in his mind. I can't play in the street. It's a matter of life and death. If I love my child, I think I'm going to give him a spanking when he disobeys on something like that. Not everything needs to be that way, but something, there's just no uh, replacement for a good spanking sometimes. And so, so I commented and I, I said something along those lines to my friend who's this school teacher and he did not like that. He commented back to me or private message to me and told me that he didn't want me posting or commenting on any of his stuff anymore and that he didn't need me uh, playing devil's advocate and Facebook is not for big in-depth discussions like that. And meanwhile, I'm like, well, why did you post the article to Facebook then? Like what in the world? If it's not for discussing something like that, why are you putting it out there? You know, uh, yeah, but basically he, he laid it out for me that he was going to limit my ability to see his posts because I was commenting things substantively in response to what he was posting. And he didn't want to have to think about it. He didn't want to have to discuss it. What's more, he didn't want to have other people on his friends list seeing that I was questioning it, poking holes in maybe what he was asserting or implying, uh, getting into a debate, discussion, whatever. He didn't want that. And so he was, he wanted me to just confine my interactions with him on Facebook to, uh, pictures of the kids, uh, birthdays. Hey, happy birthday. Another year older, you know, crap like that. And I'm meanwhile thinking what a waste, what a colossal waste of potential. You've got to be kidding me. And, and what a, uh, I'm sorry, but what a cowardly. Uh, weak, pathetic way to respond to disagreement. I mean, can, how does anybody uh, with that mindset, how do they sleep at night? Right? Um, but, he, you know, as much as I want to say that was like an isolated incident and that's uh, not 
how most, most people are. I think it is. Uh, I think most people are that way, actually. And uh, if not most people, there's enough of them on Facebook. And each of them has their own little hot button issues. And each of them, I think because of the tone that's been set, the way that the internet has been rolled out, and, and maybe even, you know, Facebook, the way it's developed tools and implied that, you know, you should be in control of what other people say and what they don't say. You know, it's a it's a soft kind of censorship. It's not centralized necessarily, but they hint, 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 nudge, nudge, nudge to individuals that you guys should be policing your your own. We're not going to block that friend of yours that you find obnoxious who's got the conservative opinions, who's got the liberal opinions, who's got the independent opinions or whatever who's got the crazy Christian uh, posts all the time, who's got the, you know, fill in the blank. We're not going to censor them, but here, here are these tools. Go nuts. you know. And I think this collection of people who make up Facebook now, uh, who haven't left yet, um, there's enough of them who will still, in a pinch, uh, freak out over discussion, disagreement, that uh, for you to post anything substantive to Facebook or to be vulnerable, to be real, uh, to try and get in-depth and discuss something, you know, everybody tells me, well, Facebook's not for that. And I say, well, dadgummit, what is the use of Facebook then? Why even have Facebook if Facebook is not for that? Why can't Facebook be for that? Maybe we should have Facebook be for that. Uh, but anyway, sorry, that was a huge rabbit trail. Getting back to my original story. Uh, close brackets. <laughs> uh, I go to Facebook, I go to LinkedIn, and... Uh, I'm not comforted by what I see. So what was I going to do then? You know, I'm not comforted by what I see on Facebook, on LinkedIn. And I need to get back to sleep. You know, we're talking one in the morning, one thirty in the morning after I've browsed through uh, my feeds on both of those platforms and uh, you know, I'm looking for something to kind of help my mind rest. And I kept thinking about my situation, about uh, having recently been promoted, about last year with trying to climb this mountain, about you know, just being willing to say no, you know. Sometimes you just have to be able to turn down positive things uh, because they're not the best thing because you can't do everything. You're only one person and then you've got to prioritize. You've got to pick, Hey, what's the most important thing that I should be doing right now? And uh, you can't look to Facebook to tell you that Facebook's going to tell you whatever you want to hear. It's a, it's a, um, an echo chamber, right? And you can tailor that echo chamber to whatever it is that you want to be hearing 
Um, you tell you put your preferences in, and then it spits information out, and gives you this sanitized view of the world according to your uh, precepts. Uh, LinkedIn, you know, it's it doesn't work quite the same. I mean, obviously, you can pick who it is that you follow and who it is that you're connected with, and and all that, but it it is uh, more of the world saying back to these people. This is what we expect of you. This is what you need to be about. And so you're looking at LinkedIn. You're thinking, man, that's what a professional fill-in-the-blank is like, you know. And then you're setting your your uh, sights accordingly, or or you're presenting yourself and you're saying, hey, I really want this opportunity. I really want to hire this person or get hired by this person or work for that company or do business for this company or move into that industry or learn this or acquire that. Da, 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 da. That's what LinkedIn is. But that's not going to set your mind at ease about prioritizing. What is the good thing that I should be doing? What is the right way to think about life? What is life about? Those are questions that I don't think Facebook or LinkedIn have any interest in answering for you, uh, except in those rare moments when people who care about those questions get into those platforms. Uh, it's not baked into the recipe, though, otherwise. We have to introduce those questions. We have to bring substance. We have to be prioritizing uh, those things. And in the absence of any content, even from the people that I really like, you know, scrolling through what it is that they publish uh, on those platforms, LinkedIn, you wouldn't. You know, hey, I don't want to get into asking big, hairy questions about the meaning and purpose of life, the universe, and everything. You know, that might not be very professional. You know, let's not talk about theology and philosophy and politics and society and psychology and how to be human beings. Let's not talk about that. That, Or if we do, we're going we're to have to be really careful about it. Be really careful, guys. You know, we all know that one person who's in a conversation at work or around work who just shake their head. Mm, you got to be really careful these days. Da -da 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 -da. Really? Yeah, I mean, you know, maybe what we should be careful about isn't tiptoeing around public perception and just trying to soothe other people's egos and avoiding the snares and traps of uh, who might be upset if we go there because they don't like that. You know, maybe what we should be really careful about is being vacuous and morally bankrupt. How about we just be really careful about that, guys? But anyway, I'm uh, <clears throat> I'm laying awake in the middle of the night, and I'm stressed, and I'm anxious, and I, I don't even entirely know why. Uh, it wasn't any one thing. It was a combination of many things. And so I, I'm thinking to myself about my family, and that happens often. In the middle of the night, I'm thinking about my wife and my kids. How have I been doing for them here lately? How have I been treating them? How have I been talking to them? And uh, sometimes that's what spearheads anxiety 
in uh, the middle of the night. So I wake up and I start thinking about something I said that was, it was maybe true. It was maybe accurate, but it was entirely too rough. Uh, I, I threw an elbow on that play that didn't need to be thrown. Um, you know, maybe needed to communicate this. Maybe I didn't. Maybe it was being presumptuous. Maybe I said something hurtful. Maybe that wasn't accurate. Maybe that was me just being ridiculous. And, uh, you know, and even the career stuff. Hey, I need to do well for my family. I want to give them that house out in the country. I want to be able to provide for their needs, you know, do fun things, go on vacations, go on, you know, I want to be able to do that. They're expecting me to be able to provide those things. So I need to be succeeding. I need to be advancing my career so that I'm able to provide those things. Well, in thinking about my wife and my kids, there were a couple of little pieces like that. I think that's part of why I went to LinkedIn. I was hoping maybe in, in the middle of the night I would see something that was like, hey, I'll share that clever video of some new invention. And then the right person at some other company or at, at my own company is going to see it and they're going to say, wow, that Garrett guy, he's sharp. Let's take a look at his resume. Hey, you know what he'd be perfect for? This job here that pays 200000 a year. You know, I mean, just <laughs> I'm being a little bit facetious, but not entirely. Uh, you know, and, and then on the flip side too, you might see something where it's like, hey, that that is a really great idea. This person over here has, we should do it. We should follow that idea because it would make life better. It would make business easier. It would make less stress for people. But I got to thinking about my wife and my kids. And I remembered my wife having asked if I wanted to study the, the book of Hebrews in the, in the New Testament with her. She just ordered uh, a Bible study by John MacArthur, of all people, if you can believe it. Uh, for, those, for those that know me, I'm not a huge John MacArthur fan. Uh, it's not that I hate him. Um, you know, I'm fairly convinced he's a Christian. <laughs> uh, even for me to just joke about that would just be heresy for some of the people that I know, though. There's people in my family that are very big John MacArthur fans. They would not like me poking a little bit of fun, but uh, that's part of why I just did it, actually, just <laughs> so you know, <laughs> uh, because I think we need to not put too much stock in human uh, wisdom, human authorities, whoever they are. Uh, but anyway, Lauren's doing this Bible study with uh, these ladies that I mean, she's been friends with for uh, several years and, and they get together on a semi-regular basis and they'll do studies. And this one is one by John MacArthur about he, the book of Hebrews. And so she just, uh, well, she hasn't started, she just bought the book and had taken a screenshot of the first page where it shows some of the questions and it shows what, what the passage of Hebrews is you're supposed to read. And so I looked that up, and it was pretty much the first two chapters. And uh, I proceeded to read the first two chapters of Hebrews. 
And part of what I read that really, it, uh, it was a breath of fresh air in the midst of me. You know, I go look at Facebook, I go look at LinkedIn. I didn't find anything comforting, anything significant, anything substantial in either of those two places. And then I read Hebrews. And uh, Hebrews chapter 2, verses 8, the latter half of verse 8 through verse 13 really stood out to me. It says, Now in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside his control. At present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him. But we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers, saying, I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. But again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children God has given me. Now I read that. And I say, wow. Man, talk about a contrast. Uh, you can block that, you can unfriend that, and, uh, and maybe that's why that kind of uh, mentality uh, isn't at the fore, it's not as prevalent uh, on social media, because it does get blocked and unfriended and told to get lost and only comment on... <laughs> Uh, birthdays and pictures of children. But you read that first little bit of it. Now in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside his control. At present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him. So I was thinking about that. And this is just, you know, I'm, this is not me trying to be profound. This is me being curious and just trying to understand it for myself. Uh, what does it mean at present we do not yet see everything in subjection to him? Does that mean we don't even see everything that is in subjection to him? Well, surely that's true. Right? There's more that is under God's authority that's been put under the authority of Jesus Christ. Yahushua HaMasaych, as the uh, Messianic Jewish friends would, would say. There's more that is under his authority than we even know about or, or can see. Uh, but is it saying we do not yet see everything in subjection to him? Does that mean not everything is obeying? It's not all behaving as it ought to. Well, that would make sense too. You know, I scroll through Facebook. I scroll through LinkedIn. I don't see... A whole lot of people saying, what would Jesus want me to do with this? What, you know, like, that's not the leading question. It's not even the, the trailing question. And it's nowhere in the middle. 
because it's not a priority. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And in the modern vernacular and secular humanist uh, Western society, I think uh, only the first part of that is recognize that thou shalt have no other gods. And then we just drop the before me. <laughs> but I look at this, I see for one, you know, this portrait of Jesus as being glorified in suffering and in death. Because he was doing the Father's will, he was fighting the good fight, he was atoning for our sins, bringing many sons to glory. He was, you know, however you want to put it, uh, the cross was not a uh, symbol of pride and victory before Jesus, or even shortly after Jesus in the wider Roman world. Uh, it was a symbol of just the opposite, shame and defeat. If you get crucified, you done messed up, A.A. Ron. Like, you did not think this through. You should have had a better plan. You shouldn't have get, shouldn't gotten caught <laughs> uh, if you were doing something stupid. Uh, or you should have had your ducks in a row to protect your flank or whatever. You know, however you would want to put it. And after Jesus, through Jesus, because of Jesus, and it's not that we glorify the cross. The cross is nothing without Jesus. It's Jesus. We don't worship the cross. We worship Jesus. Jesus is the Son of God. The cross is not the Son of God. You know, I I might step on some other toes here. I, I said uh, maybe John MacArthur is a Christian. Uh, yeah, there's a... Uh, Pentecostal preacher, pastor, uh, leader named Jimmy Swaggart. And uh, I've got some extended family that is a big, uh, a big fan of his. Uh, very much into reading everything. They're pretty much in the same boat that my family that loves John MacArthur is it's just you just the, change the name and the face and the theology of it. Uh, you know, maybe Jimmy Swaggart is a Christian, and whoa, okay, ah, you know, I'm going to upset the the John MacArthur crowd by suggesting that he might be a Christian. I'm going to upset the the Jimmy Swaggart crowd now by suggesting he might not be. Um, but <laughs> I'm not trying to offend anybody. I'm just saying. Let's not put these guys on pedestals and, and let's not worship them. Let's not idolize them. That's not healthy for them. That's not healthy for us. Uh, and it doesn't honor God. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. That includes John MacArthur. That includes Jimmy Swaggart. Anyway. Uh, one of the big things Jimmy Swaggart uh, is about is cross of Christ, the cross of Christ, the cross of Christ. And from the outside and from just a cursory glance, 
And I'm not saying that I've, I've put years of study into this. This is the verdict I've come to. And you got to just all take it super serious because I said it. But just at a cursory glance, I think it's too gimmicky. And he puts too much into that phrase. It's like an abracadabra. The cross of Christ. And if somebody else is preaching or they're teaching something from the scriptures or they're just talking about the Christian faith and they don't sprinkle in the cross of Christ at least once per paragraph or at least once per uh, two minute interval, then it's like he thinks it's open season to say or to suggest that they've deviated from the true faith and that they're not really preaching the gospel because the gospel is about the cross of Christ. You know what? The gospel is actually about Jesus and about God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I don't see the phrase, the cross of Christ anywhere in John 3.16 or several other key pivotal passages. The phrase is not there. The phrase isn't there because it isn't about the cross in and of itself. I don't wear a crucifix around my neck to ward off vampires and werewolves because the crucifix, the cross itself is not some magical thing. And saying the words is not an abracadabra magical formula that just makes all your problems go away and all your sticky theological questions evaporate. That isn't the way it works. That's boiling down Christianity. Uh, reducing it to a level of, of absurdity and taking a whole lot of risks in the process. Uh, risks of misunderstanding, of misapplying, uh, mishandling the truth. Study to show yourselves approved workmen that need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Rightly dividing the word of truth. You need to understand truth. Not just be saying uh, pleasant little phrases to make you feel good. And and not on the John MacArthur side of it, not just going after groups and people uh, throwing elbows because they differ from you on a small minor point of theology here and there. And it isn't even to say John MacArthur does that. And it isn't even to say Jimmy Swaggart does that. But I think they do. Actually, I, that's my observation. Take it for what it's worth. But I read this out of Hebrews, and it's about Jesus. Now, in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside his control. At present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him, but we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. Wow. Doesn't that just make the hairs on your arms stand up? And that's not, that I'm not even saying that's what it's about. That isn't to say that if the hairs on your arms stand up, if you get goosebumps, that's the Holy Spirit. Not even saying that. I think that's a, a risky place to go to. But it's also risky to say, well, we're just going to unpack this. We're going to break it down. We're going to dissect it. We're going to look at the original Greek. We're going to you know, look at the grammar and analyze that to death. And I can tell you exactly what the Strong's Concordance number is for each and every word in that da 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 congratulations 
super for you. That isn't necessarily the Holy Spirit either. You know, even the demons believe and tremble. It isn't enough to know and have a head knowledge that God exists. Bully for you. God exists. Now what? Do you stand condemned in your sins? Like, that's something you need to address right there. Where are you at? Have you repented? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? I really like that my wife asked me to read through Hebrews with her. And there's a little, little, little part of me, uh, the patriarchal side, which is not a, I'm not, that's not a guilty confession. I'm not, oh no, patriarchy. Ah, you know, no, actually uh, patriarchy is a good thing. We need, we could use, we could stand some more patriarchy actually. Um, but the patriarchal side of me is like, well, honey, How do I uh, how do I lead here spiritually? Uh, do I lead by reading through Hebrews with you when you ask me to? Um, I definitely was like, oh shoot, I should that should have been my idea, you know. But I guess I'm reading it before she does. Uh, she gave me the idea. She said she was going to do the Bible study. I beat her to the punch. So that counts for something, right? Uh, <laughs> anyway, you slice it. I'm really glad that she asked me to read through it with her um, because it was hugely encouraging to me the other night. And there was substance. There was reality, right? You know, Rather than presenting the sanitized view of our lives where we... Um, not only we uh, amputate all of the problems, we snip and nip and tuck and give a facelift on Facebook to every one of our struggles, and we try to make them all sound funny and charming and witty and ourselves. So, you know, whatever, fill in the blank. You know, we're, we're building this social resume uh, that we hope is going to pay off at, with what? What is it we're going to get in return? We're going to get marketed. Uh, a whole bunch of products that we don't have money for that we don't even end up wanting or needing in, in the end because they're going to be able to use the Jones effect. They're going to know what buttons to push. They're going to know what stuff we're interested in, uh, et cetera, et cetera. LinkedIn, you know, we're going to get that great, fantastic job we've always wanted. And then what? You know, we presented the sanitized view, cut out the difficult parts, or only present the difficult parts when we've got the brilliant solution, we are the solution. Well, what if there's a really, really big, difficult problem that we're not the solution for? In fact, we're part of the problem about. And what if the only solution is Jesus? What if we need Jesus? I'm wearing a shirt, actually, right now. And it's under my Zedai shirt. And... Uh, in this day and age, you got to be really careful, guys. Uh, somebody might listen to that. They might call and complain and say, oh, this Garrett guy is wearing a y'all need Jesus shirt he got from Walmart. That's not very professional. That offends me. Ah, da, 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 da. 
Yeah. Well, it's under my, my Zedi shirt. If anybody at Zedi freaks out about that, well then, uh, I guess it's best that we know where we all stand uh, sooner rather than later. <laughs> but I'm wearing this Y'all Need Jesus shirt. And I bought it. I saw it in Walmart. And I'm sure it's more of a joke. Uh, you know, the way it was printed, people wear it maybe as a way of saying, y'all are messed up. I'm making fun of, you know, that Southern black woman, the grandmotherly type who walks into the room, the, the, uh, Medea, is that Tyler Perry's, uh, cross-dressing, uh, matronly old firebrand of a character he plays Medea. Uh, you know, y'all need Jesus. Uh, and just poking fun at that, but you know, actually it's true. You, you do. We do. I do. Um, really encouraged by this little passage of Hebrews. For it was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers. Well, that's cool. That's really cool. You know, whatever it is that we're trying to be a part of or join, whether it's a company, whether it's a social circle, we're trying to fit in, we're trying to be a part of it. You know, what a comfort to know in Jesus, you're part of the family of God. You know, whatever promotion or job offer it is you're trying to get, how exciting is it that Jesus was willing to suffer and die on our behalf, and we can be called children of God. That is super exciting. And whether you heard about it from John MacArthur or Jimmy Swaggart or myself or whoever, uh, the main thing is Jesus. You know, I want to look up a passage here real quick and then we'll close. <coughs> Excuse me. Paul writes at one point in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. He says, but I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you are not yet ready, for you are still of the flesh. For for while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? Are you not being merely human? Isn't that a funny little thing there? Merely human. Is that to say we're called to be more than merely human? Well, yeah. Called to be children of God. What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Paul. Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, 
God's building. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which has laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it. Because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Do you not know that you are God's temple, and that God's Spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks he is wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is folly with God. For it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. So let no one boast in men. For all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas, or the world or life or death or the present or the future. All are yours and you are Christ's. And Christ is God's. And with that, I adjourn <clears throat> this episode of the Garrett Ashley Mullet Show. I thank you for listening. Hope you were encouraged. Hope you got something out of it. If you have any comments, questions, concerns, objections, complaints, <clears throat> or anything else, feel free to contact me on social media or email me at garrettmullet at gmail.com. That's G A R R E T T M U L L E T at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and God bless.